everybody. Well, here we are again on Wednesday night online, and we've been looking at the last days for the last three Wednesday nights. And today we're going to go a little further than just the last days. We're going to look at the last day. Jesus spoke about the last day, and it's also found in other places in scripture. But I'm primarily going to look at what Jesus had to say, and then we're going to look at the last day. The last days are going to lead up to the last day. So notice uh, when I mention it, when I, as I read what Jesus said, uh, pay close attention. If you want to grab your Bibles, get John, grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter six, verse 39. And we're going to read verses 39 through 44 of John chapter six, John's gospel, chapter six, 39, 44, grab your Bibles. I am reading out of the new King James. So if it sounds a little bit different from yours, uh, it'll still track pretty much with what King, the New King James says. So here are the words of Jesus on the last day. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. That's good news. But should raise it up at the last day. So there's the first mention of the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 41, the Jews then complained about him, which is pretty much all they did, because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 42, and they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. Nobody can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. Now in verses 39 through 44 of John 6, Jesus has mentioned that phrase, used that phrase, the last day, three times. So clearly, the Lord is distinguishing between the last days, plural, and a last day, singular. Now, we've been talking for several weeks about the last days, uh, what the Bible says the last days will look like, the signs that will accompany them, uh, what Jesus himself said about the last days, and what the condition and character of people will be in the last days leading up to the last day. Now, this time we're going to look at not the last days, but the last day. And notice that Jesus used the phrase, as I've mentioned, three times in our text. Well, what does he mean when he talks about the singular last day? What event uh, was he referring to? Because clearly the Lord had something in mind. Well, Jesus is telling us that the last days plural, will lead up to a last day, singular. It'll be the last day of earthly life as we have known it. Now that's a powerful word. That's a, that's a strong statement, but that's what it's telling us. When Jesus says the last day, I'm going to raise up those who have believed in me on the last day. There's going to be a last day. Clearly it's a day of incredible radical change and earthly life as we have known it and our ancestors knew it, is going to come to a close on the last day. The last day, the Bible teaches, is when Christ returns 
to judge the world. That's what the last day is. It's when Jesus Christ returns. We call it the second coming, the second advent. And it is uh, when he comes the second time, uh, he's going to come to judge the world. And when he comes to judge the world, that is the last day. And he's going to usher in his millennial kingdom on that day. So things will again, as I said, radically change. There will be life as we know it now and have known it for uh, centuries and millennia. And then it will change radically. And Jesus will uh, come to judge the world. And then he will usher in a brand new world, brand new kingdom. We call it the millennial kingdom, the thousand years of peace when the lion will lay down with the lamb and children will play at the at the den of snakes that are poisonous because they won't be poisonous anymore. All carnivorous activity between creatures will end. Uh, there will be no more hostility and enmity between the animal kingdom and the human kingdom. It's going to be a time of great peace where Jesus rules the world with a scepter of righteousness. And it all is set in motion. It all begins on the last day, the last day. Um, so very, very powerful. Now you remember that Jesus is telling us that the last days will lead up to a last day. And when the disciples and Jesus, you'll recall, were leaving the temple for the last time in Jesus life on earth, it was the last time Jesus was ever going to be in the temple. They had been in there looking around, teaching, no doubt. And then he walked out with his disciples and he would never be in that temple again. And I think it was very symbolic that as Jesus was leaving the temple, God had also left Jerusalem in the sense that they were under judgment. And this prompted the disciples, when Jesus left the temple, he said, I'm telling you, not one stone is going to be left on top of another. They're all going to be brought down. This temple is going to be completely destroyed. Well, this blew the disciples away and they asked Jesus three questions. And here they are. They said, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, when will these things be? The first question referred to the imminent destruction of the temple as Jesus had predicted. He said, it's all coming down. They said, when will this be? When will these things be? When will the temple come down? Well, we know that the temple came down about 37 years later uh, 37 years after this incredible prediction of Jesus, uh, the, the Roman armies invaded Jerusalem and they tore that temple down where just as Christ said, not one stone was left on top of another. It was an amazing fulfillment of prophecy from the greatest prophet that ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they asked, what will be the sign of your coming? That referred to the various signs that would be taking place around the world uh, just prior to Jesus' return. And we know about them. Famines, earthquakes, pestilences, and persecutions, and so on and so forth. All the things Jesus uh, launches into false Christ, false prophets, a massive pandemic deception. Um, he, he said, this is all going to be uh, happen before my return. It's all, these are general signs that you will note before I return. Then they said, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Now that refers to the last day, the end of the age, the end of all things. That's pointing to the last day. 
Um, the end of life on earth as we have known it. The last day is the end of the age. And it culminates in the return of Jesus Christ uh, to the world. Now, it's very important. So Jesus said, all right, you're asking me when these things will be. Uh, let me tell you that when you see uh, Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you better flee. Now I'm quoting from Luke 21. Uh, you better flee when you see the armies of uh, Rome surrounding Jerusalem because then the end is near. Well, they did invade. They they uh, went through the gate and they got into the city. Over a million Jews were slaughtered. It was a horrible, terrible thing. And then they tore down the glorious temple, but the temple that Christ had departed. All right? But then, what is going to be the sign of the end of the age? That phrase, the end of the age, Jesus said, uh, it's going to be my return, the end of the age. That's the last day. Now, in answering those three questions, the Lord Jesus Christ um, took Matthew 24 to give us specific signs to look for. But in Matthew 25, he launches into several parables, all having to do, in my opinion, and the opinion of many commentators, with the last day, the last day, and how important it is for you and I to be prepared for the last day. He talked about the, the 10 virgins and uh, whose uh, lamps were either filled with oil or not. Uh, he talks about the returning householder, all these parables that Jesus went into to better explain the last day, the certainty of it, the imminence of it, and how important it is for you and me and all believers, particularly in the last of the last days, how important it is that we're ready for the last day. Now, in Matthew 25, as I said, he goes into that. But I want to look at the third parable or the last parable that Jesus teaches on. And that's the parable of the sheep and the goats. Because I believe for our purposes tonight, the parable of the sheep and the goats uh, is most appropriate. This is the last parable among the several parables Jesus taught on being ready for the last day. Now, let's look at it, and I'm just going to break it down. And let's look at what Jesus told us about the last day and what he called the sheep, which are God's children, and the goats, which we will see are the lost. All right? Now, it's Matthew 25, verse 31. Jesus says, let's really pay attention to this. Look in your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 25, verse 31. Here we go. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's the second coming, and all the holy angels with him, definitely the second advent, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. So the first thing Jesus tells us in talking about the last day is that when the last day takes place, his throne will be established. The rule of Christ will begin. He will come in his glory, the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. So that's going to be an incredible time when Jesus finally comes to rule the earth. And, you know, I look at our world today and the election that's coming up and uh, all the turmoil and rioting and, and just all the mess that America is embroiled in and the rest of the world. You know, the rest of the world is also reprobate, has has just walked away from uh, Christ and, and is godless and 
and um, Christless and uh, burying themselves in sin and, and just uh, really and truly um, anything but Christ-like or anything but Christian. And I, I think of what Jesus said here. When you look at that, and, and you know, we're hoping that the election helps. And I, and I think that an election can help because it says when the righteous bear rule, the people rejoice. So clearly, um, a right person in leadership does bring a level of peace and quietness among those that are under their rule. But ultimately, there's never going to be peace on this earth until Jesus Christ returns in the second advent on the last day. And when he does, the Bible says when he comes back, he will land on the Mount of Olives. You can read about this in Zechariah. He will land on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives will cleave east to west. Jesus uh, will, from that vantage point, he will begin to do several things. And let's look at it. The second thing he tells us in this parable, after we're shown Jesus sitting on his throne to rule the world finally, we see that he will judge the nations. So when Jesus returns, it's judgment day. He says in verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. Think about that. All the nations, China, Japan, all of Europe, uh, all of America, all the West, uh, England, every nation, Russia, the uttermost North, uh, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, you name it. They're all the Middle East, the, the Far East, the uttermost uh, North, Russia, the West, including us. All nations will be gathered before Jesus Christ. Think about this. This is powerful stuff. These are the words of our Lord. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So the Lord's going to make a distinction who is his and who isn't. Verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Now you might be thinking, well, Jeff, how can he do that with everybody in the world? Oh, friend, we're talking about the one who spoke into the dark and said, let there be light. And there was light. The Bible says in the beginning, it was uh, the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Nothing that was made was made except through him. Nothing that was made was made apart from him. In other words, Jesus, God, the son was integrally involved in the creation of all things. So as in six days, everything that is came into being through the spoken word of God with Christ right there, amening everything that God spoke and the Holy Spirit executing what God spoke, then certainly he can gather all the nations in front of him. And what a, what a frightening day that'll be for those that do not know the Lord, because suddenly there's going to be this divine savior, uh, calling the nations before him from the vantage point of Jerusalem. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Everybody's going to be aware. I'm either in one category or the other. And there's not more than these. There's only one of two choices. You will be a sheep or you will be a goat. You won't be anything else. You're going to be separated and distinguished by the Lord Jesus Christ at his return. Now, it says next that judgment commences. Jesus begins to judge. And what he judges is the genuineness 
of your faith and mine, the entire world are going to be judged by the genuineness of their faith or the lack thereof. Verse 34, the king will say to those on his right hand, now that includes, this is the church, the born again church, the sheep. Listen to this, this is great news. The king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wow, what an incredible word. Come you blessed of my father, aren't you gonna be so glad to hear him looking at you and saying to you, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world was even laid. What a powerful word. And now we're going to read in verse 35 how Jesus distinguishes real faith from false faith. He says in verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Well, let me stop here and point out, genuine faith is going to be revealed by the quality of your works. Now, we remember that in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul the Apostle said that the church is going to receive a judgment. But it will not be a judgment for sin because our sins are all forgiven. But it, it will be a judgment that tries the quality of our works. Did we live for once, once coming to him, being born again and coming to know Christ as Savior? What was the quality of our works? What were the, what, what was the quality? Was it a good quality? And, and Paul said that good quality is like gold, silver and precious stones. It'll be tried by fire and gold, silver, and precious stones, good works that were done for the glory of Christ in his name to glorify his name in obedience to him. Those kinds of works um, will survive the fire. But then he said, there's another kind of work that won't. And he called them wood, hay, and stubble. Well, we know what happens to wood, hay, or stubble when you uh, put fire on them. They burn up. And Paul said, that'll happen to some people. They came to Christ, they know him as Savior, but they didn't live their life for him. They still live for themselves. They didn't bear much fruit and their works at the judgment will come under the fire of the judgment of God and their works will be burned up, yet they will be saved, yet so as by fire. They don't lose their salvation, but they lose rewards. Now, Jesus says here, he said, you're gonna be judged for how your faith manifested in good works. Now, the Bible is very clear, like take the book of James. James said, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works because faith without works is dead. In other words, uh, if you've got real true faith in God, it should manifest itself in good works. Now, we know that good works don't save us but good works do attest to the fact that we have been saved. And so here's where Jesus is going. He's saying, I watched the way you treated people in my name. I was in prison, you came to me. And notice how he says, it was me you came to because I was with those people. I was hurting for those people. I was hungry with them. I was identifying with their plight. 
and you came to me. Coming to them, you came to me. Uh, I was in a hospital, you visited me and brought me words of encouragement. Uh, you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren. You did it to me. Uh, you know, I was hungry, you fed me. I didn't have any clothes, you, you clothed me. And Jesus said again, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, he's using a parable to make a point that when he comes, one of the ways he's going to know whether or not you were a sheep or a goat is by how you treated others in his name. So he's using that as sort of a litmus test, all right? And he goes on to say that many are going to be shocked when they realize that they didn't make it. Many are going to be shocked. There's going to be a shock factor at the second coming of Christ. When he gathers all the nations in front of him, separates sheep from goats, and says to the sheep, those on his right hand, you clothed me, you fed me, you came to me, you visited me, you encouraged me, you prayed for me, you talked to, uh, you talked to the needy about me. And when you did it for them, you did it for me. So that will be a, a sign of your faith. But now he's about to talk to the goats. And with the goats, we're about to see a shock factor. So let's read it. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. Oh, what horrible words. What terrible words. I can't think of worse words. To hear the Lord Christ, the Lord Jesus, in Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, returned as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, as the reigning Messiah, taking over the earth, saying to me, depart from me. And it gets worse. You cursed. Or you that are being cursed is the way the Greek reads. Into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Oh, what a somber moment this is, friend. Listen to this now. Uh, you got those on the right hand, the sheep. Now you've got those on the left. He has divided the nations of the world and the people that are in those nations. And now he's looking at untold numbers of people and saying to them, depart from me, you that are being cursed into fire, everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. That amazes me when people come along and say, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about hell or, or hell is just symbolic. It's not a real place. And God would never really send anybody to hell like, uh, you know, these conservative Christians say that he will. Really? We're reading the words of Jesus here. And I want to point out, I want to just pause a moment here because this is so serious. I want to point out that nobody described hell more graphically than did Jesus Christ. If we were reading the Greek language, here's the way it would read. Depart from me, you that are being cursed, into the fire eternal. Into the fire, ages without end. Into the fire eternal. Ionis, the ages without end. There's no getting around this statement. From Jesus, the judgment day is coming and there is a hell. Jesus in another place described it as where there are, uh, the fire is not quenched, where the worm never dies, where there is no relief, there is, there is no uh, respite, there is, there is no moment where the suffering stops. And you know, 
I believe this because I believe the, the words of the Lord Jesus. I can't comprehend it with my mind. It's even hard for me to comprehend eternal life, much less eternal damnation, eternal suffering, where there is no end to it. Never. Ionis, age upon age upon age, the suffering goes on, takes place, no intermission, no stop, no rest, no respite. Jesus said, this is what he will say to many, many people when he returns in the second advent. Now, if you've been made right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, let's remember what he said. He will say to you, come, those being, now I'm reading how it would read straight out of the Greek language. If I were to just open up a Greek text and read it to you and transliterate it into English, here's the way it would read. Come, those being blessed of the father of me, inherit the having been prepared for you kingdom from the foundation of the world. Now read it again. What great words. Come, those being blessed of the father of me, inherit the having been prepared for you kingdom from the foundation of the world. That's what we're going to hear, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ and his shed blood. But if you haven't come to Christ to have your sins forgiven, then you're going to hear something totally different. You will be sent into the fire eternal. And there is no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's no soul sleep. There's no second chance. It's given unto a man to die once, and after this comes the judgment, the book of Hebrews says. So we need to take these words of our Lord very, very seriously. He is, he is answering the question, what will be the sign of the end of the age, of the last day? What is the last day going to be like, Lord? And he's telling us here in this parable, this is what the last day is going to be like. All these last days that we're in are leading up to this last day. Jesus also tells the lost, the goats, how their works betray their lack of genuine salvation. Verse 42, he, he flips the coin on the lost and he says, I was hungry, you didn't give me any food. I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Now again, let me reiterate, he's not saying that by these works or lack of them, you are saved. He's saying these works or the lack of them attest to the fact of whether or not you did get saved, all right? Now, fifth, we see that the lost are going to protest. The lost are going to protest, verse 44. Then they will answer him, the goats, the lost, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And Jesus will answer emphatically. He will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Now listen to the words of Christ in verse 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's it. One direction or the other, one destiny or the other, no other option. No other place, no other direction or way, no other outcome. These are it. Into everlasting destruction and punishment or into everlasting life and joy 
eternal. And in another place, the Lord said that there are going to be people who are going to say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do many good things in your name? Didn't we heal the sick, raise the dead? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do many things, Lord, in your name? And Jesus will look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. These people are in this goat bunch right here. They're shocked that they're not saved. They're saying, Lord, we did all the right things. But Jesus tells the real story. You didn't know me. I didn't know you. And I want to tell you, dear church, uh, as we end, come to the close of this message, I believe there are so many people out there right now teaching in the name of Christ. Uh, out there, you know, uh, I don't know, feigning to do works in his name. Uh, Jesus this and Jesus that and the Lord bless you and they're teaching and, and yet when you listen to them, it's all about money. It's all about fame. It's all about extracting your last dollar from you. It's it's getting your money with false promises. And you can tell that they are using the gospel, using the name of Christ to get rich, to fatten themselves financially and out there acting like they're doing miracles in his name. And in the end, there's always that hook, send in your money. I believe there's so many people out there they're going to be among this goat crowd. They're going to be shocked when the Lord separates them to the left and not to the right. It's time we got back to the word of God. It's so time for us to get back to scripture and the preaching that used to be preached. You must be born again. Uh, you, you've got to walk with him. If you're really his, you're going to bear fruit. If you're really his, you're going to glorify him. If you really belong to the Lord, it's going to show and it's not about getting a bunch of money from people you're fleecing, but it's about glorifying Christ and living the Christian life, picking up your cross daily and following him, um, dying to yourself, uh, glorifying him, living for him, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, that kind of mentality, not what can I get, what can he do for me? And we view God as some kind of divine bellhop because he's not. Now I want to close with, one final thought on that last day, what will our God say to us on that great judgment day when all of us stand before him? Let me tell you what I believe he won't say as we close out. Here's what he won't say. He will not ask you how much did you make or acquire? He won't say how many. He won't say how big. He won't say how great. He won't say how beautiful. He won't say how magnificent. No, he will ask you one question. And this is the question that will matter to everybody on that day. What did you do with Jesus Christ? Did you reject him? Did you accept him? Did you spurn him? Did you receive him? Did you ignore him? Did you pay attention to him? Did you turn your life over to him and allow his blood to cover your sins and his spirit to fill your heart? Or did you play a game having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof? My prayer for every one of you watching right now or later listening by radio. Many are listening by radio right now. You're in rush hour traffic. Uh, you are in different parts of the United States of America. 
and you tune in, maybe even by mistake, and I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Have you considered that the most important decision you'll ever make is what you do with Jesus? My prayer is that you will turn to him, accept him, embrace him, and walk with him. Because friends, soon and very soon, the last day will arrive and Jesus is coming back.